Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick, live from Las Vegas. Another episode of the Detailed Car Collection. Follow us at HyperClean Specialists on Facebook. That group is growing pretty rapidly, and we have a lot of fun. Guys share their work, ask questions, and all those different types of things. If you ever have any questions for us and you can't find it in the HyperClean Specialist group, email us at info at hypercleanstore.com. So I'm going to start with an observation today. So we've all been driving down the freeway and had people swerve into our lane. And twice this week, I had it happen to me. And they both shared the same type of driver, the type of driver that's wearing a mask by themselves in their own car. I can't imagine that that is just some kind of crazy coincidence. Because I've had some incidents here in the last year or so. Uh, on the road. Vegas roads are, are pretty insane for those that have never driven here. Uh, it's a pretty wild place. But if you're wearing a mask by yourself in your car, are you more likely to hit me on the freeway? I got to think the answer is yes. There, there's just no question. I look over, they're oblivious. People are honking at them, they're oblivious. And you got to kind of be oblivious to rock a mask in your car by yourself. And this isn't a political statement. I never really get into that. You know, if you want to wear a mask and sit in your car in full, you know, PPE gear, it doesn't matter to me. I just care that you're about to clip me on the freeway, which I think most of you care about as well. But it's just interesting to me that I've had a lot of run-ins with poor drivers and they all seem to be wearing a mask. It's just a wild thing. Anyway, just a, a little tidbit that happened to me this week. We also have some other good news. My BMW arrived on Sunday night. Shipping is still a nightmare. This is not a pandemic thing. So in modern shipping, I can see where my car is at all times, right? They have a tag on it. So I can watch it leaving Florida and then it's in Dallas and then it's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So a guy calls me on the phone and goes, Hey, you know, Monday morning, you're going to be my first stop. I'm in, I'm just leaving Albuquerque. Well, I get on the tracker and I go, well, you're not in Albuquerque. I said, you're looks like you're coming through Phoenix. You're going to be here in, in Vegas in a couple hours. Uh, uh, well, maybe, I, I don't know. I said, all right, man, just give me a call. We'll work it out. So like an hour later, I get a phone call. Hey, uh, you know, I can drop it at, at 7 p.m. You know, I, I got through everything a little quicker. I said, yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's where I want you to drop it. It's, it's near where I'm at, but it's easier for truck drivers. If you go and you go to this street, which is one street over from mine, because then you can loop back and get to the freeway. So I'm, I'm looking out for the guy. I've had a bunch of cars dropped at my house. If he tries to wind through my neighborhood, he's going to have big issues. So I'm like, Hey man, this is where you need to go. Okay, I'll call you when I'm close, which he does. So when he calls me, I said, hey, okay, you're sitting at that light. Go to the next street and make a right. So I think we're about to meet. I go to that street. He's nowhere to be found. So I look out on the busiest road near my house, and he's unloading my car. 
So I call him. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? Oh, well, I can unload it right here. I'm like, I, I, I told you the street, it was all to make everything easier. You didn't have cars going past you. You can get back to the road really easily. Oh, well, it's no big deal. Just come get the car. No professionalism, nothing. So I do a walk around to the car and he goes, you know, I got other stops. I said, Hey man, I'm not signing for the car until I check over it and make sure you haven't damaged something. Oh, I, I never damage anything. I'm like, ah, it's all good. No big deal. I said, people don't check over their cars. Oh, he, and he kind of scuttles away. So I can't start the car. I'm like, Hey man, where's the key? Well, until you sign for it, I'm not going to give you the key. I said, I got to know that the car's running, dude. We're not going anywhere. And this is an important lesson. So many people get bullied with their car at the dealership. They get bullied with their car by a transporter. They get bullied with their car. Check over the car, guys. I'm not, you know, I didn't raise my voice at the guy. I'm not mad. This kind of stuff happens. I said, give me the key to the car. I got to make sure the car starts. There's not a million bells and whistles going off that, 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 that this thing has arrived the way it's supposed to arrive. I got to check the car. I said, you're more than welcome to sit in the car with the key in your pocket. I just need the key to start the car. He's like, okay, this guy literally sits in the car with me as if I don't have a right to start the car. So I start the car. There's no problems. I hand him a tip, a generous one for the service I got to be completely honest. But it's all right. Hand him a tip. Hey, man, be safe. Thanks for the car. He leaves. So now we're going to talk about what happens when you take possession or what should happen in my estimation and what I do with all clients' cars when you take the car. First of all, one of the big mistakes people make, and this is even some of my wealthiest clients, when the car is purchased, you should go put it on your insurance that day within 24 hours. Because if something happens on that truck, your insurance will cover it if you have good insurance. But a lot of people wait till the car lands. And I've, heard, I've had a lot of horror stories where somebody's car wasn't covered and they ended up in big, big financial mess with their car. So number one, you need to cover the car. It seems logical, but I'm telling you, really intelligent people don't tell their customers to do this. Even really reputable auction people. I buy something at Barrett Jackson, insure it. Call your insurance and insure it. If anything happens while it's sitting there, if any, you're covered. Now, the auction and the people, you, you think everyone's going to do the right thing, but if they don't, you have insurance. So the car lands, we go over it. Tip the driver. Seems simple. Hand them a tip. It's all good. You know, you just want to have some good karma. They've provided a service. Hey, I've had some really good transport truck drivers that I've tipped a lot of money on very expensive cars because they did a great job. They cared, but the vast majority don't. You're just trying to say, hey, man, thanks for getting this thing to me safe. Put a little good, good vibes out into the world for yourself. And now it's time the car is sitting on the ground. You have the keys. Everything's done. What do you do? The first thing I do is go take it on a drive. And that's what I did on Sunday night. So Sunday night's here, the car's there. I'm going to go ahead and take this thing for a drive. Now, the big mistake people make, and I've had bunches of people make this, is they put the pedal to the metal right off the truck. 
Don't do that. Seems obvious once again, but it's not obvious. It happens all the time. Matter of fact, I told you what happened to the GTO, $165,000 at Barrett-Jackson. They got to rev in the engine and they blew it up. And now, you know, anyway, that, that car is on its way to being repaired. And we made some decisions on that car. Maybe I'll share it at a later date. So what you do is you warm the car up. Now, for those that don't enjoy driving a, a six-speed manual, you're not going to understand this, but it was so fantastic to drive that BMW. It was something that this car, is it important to me? No, but this is a car I've wanted to own. This is a car that, that, that I've always loved that BMW built. And so this is kind of what it's all about. This is why I detail. This is why I'm around cars. You need to have a reason like this. Doesn't mean it has to be my reason or the guy over there's reason. It has to be your reason. So I get behind the car and you got to just ease into it. Drive around for five to 10 minutes pretty calmly and, and warm the car up properly. And I don't care what kind of car it is. I don't care if it's an SUV. I, I don't care. Just, just treat the car like it's been sitting on a truck for four or five days. So now we get into the spirit of driving. Okay. I start letting this thing loose. Uh, you know, I'm, I want to run through the gears. It's got something weird with second gear. I got to get looked at, uh, as a random thing, run through the gears, see how everything looks, see how everything feels, do it with the radio off, do it with the AC off. If it's not the summer, listen to the car, see what's going on. So here we are. We're in this situation that you're now driving the car in a spirited way. What are you listening for? Well, different cars, different reasons. But with BMW, I'm looking at the temperature gauge. I would do the same thing with old Corvettes, you know, that tend to, to have times when they run really hot. Uh, there, there's different Ferraris that tend to run a little hot. You know, I'm looking at the temperature gauge. Everything's checking out. There's no bells going off. There's no warning lights going off. And all of a sudden, a warning light pops late in my drive. And so this is normal. Now, remember what I said. Under $100,000 purchase, you should be expecting to spend about 10% of that purchase on fixing the car. So all in, this is a $38,000 purchase. So $4,000 or $3,800 is already allocated in my brain to go to the mechanic. Now, here's the, here's the thing we have as a benefit. If you're a car enthusiast who polishes paint, listening to this, a weekend warrior or, or an actual pro shop or, or, or mobile guy, this car's hammered. It's a black paint. So I already know I got a couple G's worth of work. We're going to do, I'm trying to make some decisions. I might mat PPF the car if I want to, uh, but PPF's going on the car, no questions asked. So here's the position we're in. We're obviously going to get it slathered in tray, may get slathered in a new unreleased product. I'm not sure. So what we're doing is assessing the car and knowing that $4,000 in my brain is already spent. So when the warning line pops, I have a lot of customers, a lot of people that freak out about that. Didn't bother me at all. I just wanted to make sure the car was fine. And it was a service engine soon light, not a check engine light. So it could have popped when it arrived. It had about 37,200 miles on this 2008 M3 six speed manual. 
actually a little less than was re represented. So I actually, you know, kind of, kind of surprised that they went on the high number, I think on the auction, I have to go back and look, but, um, but the title is with me. The, the, the seller sent all the records, you know, again, one of the great things about this car is Marty and I actually know the dealer that serviced this, this vehicle, we have a relationship and business with them. So, you know, it's a small world, but the $4,000 is already spent, right? If I buy a $160,000 car, 16 to 20 grand is what I'm going to believe I'm going to have to spend to get the car right. The only benefit we have as enthusiasts or detailers is that the paint work, the coating work, the PPF work is very minor cost-wise because we're just going to put our own time into it. That's the amazing thing here. And that's why I've always been into buying cars because I can do a lot of the expensive work myself. Now, I'm going to make a decision here on whether I'm going to do some of the engine work myself. I've changed a lot of valve cover gaskets. I've done a lot of work on BMWs myself in my garage. Now I got a lift in a shop. You know, I may, I may go down that road. I just don't know that I have the time. I mean, we're sitting here. I, I took possession of brand two new brand new, excuse me, two brand new Broncos this week for customers with the Sasquatch, this wild track, whatever. I got one sitting in the shop. We had a Range Rover autobiography. I got stuff stacking up on us uh, with stuff being uh, brought into the shop. So I don't know. I don't really know what I'm going to do. Okay. If I'm going to do the engine work or not, but the four grand is already spent in my brain. And so I talked to a mechanic that I trust. I said, Hey man, I may drop it off to you on Monday. Today's Friday I may drop it off to you on Monday and just have you go through the car. And what does go through the car mean? Uh, I'm gonna have him pull the wheels off. We're going to go through the brakes. We're gonna go through the brake lines. We're going to go through the cooling system. We're going to go through the, all the engine oil. We're going to go through everything and we're going to flush this thing out and get it to my spec. I want my synthetic oil running through it. I want my fingers on getting this thing right. And that is the attitude that I lend to my customers who deal with us on their auction purchases. You have to do your due diligence and understand this is the game. I didn't call the buyer or the seller and go, you know, I just had a light pop on. You don't do that stuff. You know, the game that you're in, you, you budget for that. And we're going to get this car right. The car's in great shape. The interior is insane. Now we got to clean it up. We got to get some steam and some revive. And I got to, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with the mats. I told you guys what my move is with used cars. I always just buy new mats. I, I may try to bring these back to life, but probably not. I, I, I just usually buy new OE mats uh, and put them in the car. So I'm very impressed with the seller, the way he represented it how he did business and it shows you that car guys are out there because every you know he's not going to hear from me he's not going to get you know how dare you have a check engine light come on or a service engine soon light none of that happens i actually think it's a fuel regulator uh electronic issue no big deal it parts a couple hundred bucks a couple hundred bucks in labor you know it's a it's a three or four hundred dollar spend it's not that big a deal if I do it myself, it's like $190 spend probably. I think that's what it is. I have a code reader and whatnot. So I haven't looked into it. The car's only been driven twice. We're so busy at the shop. We're so busy uh, accepting a bunch. We've just had a bunch of deliveries pop up. I mean, we have people waiting on cars. Now all of a sudden the deliveries are off the hook. We had the Ferrari Roma. We have uh, the GTO that was an auction car. We have that moving along. 
we're dealing with an issue with Lincoln Navigator. We're dealing, uh, you know, with one of my customers. We had two Broncos show up this week. I mean, it's just a busy time for us. So this BMW is taking a little bit of a backseat, but let's get and have another conversation about a land cruiser auction that went off on bring a trailer. Now, many of us don't care about land cruisers, but they are a special vehicle that a lot of people love. They go for insane money, 20, 30 years old. Uh, Toyota has now discontinued them in the United States market for the next cycle. Big mistake, but Toyota's, you know, whatever. Um, but it's, it's a car I have followed. I've had people purchase from Icon, which is a big four by four company. Uh, I've had people purchase from Corsetti cruisers who, you know, Brian over there does a really excellent job, but let me share something about the auction world here. The auction world is everything I've told you it is, but let me show you how bad it is and how much you need to be on edge and how much you need to understand your stuff and budget money properly. So Brian at Corsetti Cruisers, and basically what he is, is he's a land cruiser freak. This guy restores land cruisers. He lives land cruisers. He knows everything about land cruisers. Uh, I think he's been on with Jay Leno. This guy's a big deal. Okay. And he basically built it just because he cares about the cars. He cares about land cruisers. And so he has this 1988, I believe, land cruiser auction that comes up for on bring a trailer okay and you very rarely see anybody talk about a live auction it just doesn't happen all that much people just cheer it on and then they'll say bad stuff after the fact well he sends an email to his newsletter list which i'm on because i have a bunch of clients that love land cruisers i've thought about buying old land cruiser before for myself i think they're pretty cool so it's just 1988 land cruiser that comes up for sale I'm sitting here looking at his email and he writes the email to his newsletters, newsletter subscribers. It says, warning, do not buy. And he lists like 20 things from paint, interior, mechanical flags, exterior problems. And then he writes a note. I've never sent an email that was negative towards an auction, but I, but I felt so strong about this listing that I needed to inform you. Bring a Trailer is a great site and oftentimes known for very high prices. Don't fall prey to trucks in this condition and get a bad taste in your mouth after purchasing. It's a pretty big note at the end of these like 20 bullet points of everything that's wrong with this auction. But here's the hilarious thing. So this starts spreading like wildfire through the, through the Land Cruiser market. Everybody now knows that the Land Cruiser is not very good, okay, that the Land Cruiser is not in good shape, and it gets bid all the way up to $20,000. Somebody was still willing to pay twenty grand for this hunk of junk. And here's the most in, insane thing you'll ever hear. The reserve wasn't met. This seller, having been outed and having somebody willing to pay $20,000 to get this off your hand. And the guy said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take off the reserve. Like, what are you, are you losing your mind? You should have taken the auction down. But I want everybody to kind of see what that means. 
that if it weren't for Brian at Corsetti Cruisers, nobody would have known that this was a bad example and a really big headache. And so when I have guys reach out to me and they want to get into the auction world, I'm all for it. If you're willing to understand that bring a trailer and cars and bids and Barrett Jackson and Sotheby's and all of these companies, they're not in the business of making sure you, the buyer, are protected. They're in the business of bringing in cars and selling them at a fast rate. That's all they're in the business of. And if they don't take care of the seller, then they don't have cars to sell. So whose side are they on? Not yours, not mine, unless you're the seller. And I've sold cars through those companies before. I'm not trying to bash them. I'm trying to educate everybody listening to us to understand, here's an example of a 1988 Land Cruiser. It was horrific. If Corsetti doesn't write this email, bring a trailer, pawns this big issue off on somebody, and then they would defend it. Well, who's checking the auction stuff for bring a trailer? And this has always been the problem from RM Sotheby's, Barrett, uh, Meekum. There is no checks and balances. If the car doesn't catch on fire, they don't, that, you know, that's basically all they care about. I mean, how many cars roll across the block that don't run? They don't tell you it doesn't run. They just pawn it off on you. And if it's not for Brian at Corsetti Cruisers, somebody gets hammered with this thing. This thing would go through a full restoration and, and probably would have went for thirty dollars or $40,000. That's probably what this guy was looking for. You imagine paying $40,000 and then having another forty dollars to $50,000 to get it right? $100,000 1988 Land Cruiser that you thought you bought for forty and and budgeted another four to five to fix it up? But again, I have a lot of you guys reaching out. I have a lot of customers that reach out. I have a lot of people over the years that say, hey, I want to get into this. Cool, man. This is what it is. Were you on that newsletter? Did you know this was going on? I then sent to three or four of customers I know are looking for Land Cruisers. This isn't for you. I knew one in particular was going to be interested in this, which he was. I said, dude, we're not bidding on that. Okay. Here's kind of an interesting thing, though, I want to bring it in. The window sticker on this Toyota was available with this. At Toyota, the original price of this car was $22,000. So think about this. A 1988 Land Cruiser, if this was in good shape, this would have been gone for forty grand. It would have gone double its original price for a Toyota Land Cruiser. But they, that market's always been that way. They're bulletproof engines. They run forever. This is an incredible vehicle. But this one wasn't. And it took somebody with some integrity to call it out. Now, this is interesting because this leads into my final point of the day, my final little thing I want to talk about. Was it right or wrong that that guy put out some information that he had about somebody doing something not on the up and up in this auction? Right or wrong? Is that leadership? Right or wrong? I think it's right. But our episode that dropped on Tuesday ruffled some feathers. A lot of people with great feedback. But it ruffled a few feathers. 
because everybody thinks that you should sit back and never say anything about where we are as an industry. At HyperClean, I'm going to say this over and over and over again. Internally, we talk about overbuilding everything. Have you seen our concentrate line? Okay. We had an issue with the bags. We fought and fought and fought. Marty did an unbelievable amount of work to try to get those right where they didn't get banged up in shipping. And we just knew that we had to make a change. If you put your hands on those new concentrate bottles, there's not a bottle that any chemical company in our business is using on that level. It's extra cost to us. They're hard to source. They're overbuilt. So you can't overbuild chemicals and overbuild processes and overbuild your purpose and then get on a podcast and not overbuild the podcast. Everybody that went to MTE this year, I want you to think about something. Marshall Hill is the one that started in the detailing industry with a podcast at the show. Nobody else started that. Marty did. And look at how many people are now doing it. From what I was told, and I wasn't there, damn near everybody was. Never really given a nod to, to Marty, but that's all right. Copying is, you know, the ultimate form of flattery. We, we've had to learn that here at the Pints and Polishing podcast. But it's overbuilt. And when you went to MTE this year, who had the biggest booth? Who had the biggest podcast? Who had the biggest presence? Who was the most overbuilt? It was us. And by having that mentality, we've been able to grow over the last 12 to 15 months. Podcast has never done better. HyperClean is growing exponentially to the credit of many of you. It's not just us, man. It's not just me and Marty on an island. It's all of you. That doesn't ever go unnoticed by me, by Marty. But part of the reason I think a lot of you listen to us is that we're not the pat on the back, everybody's doing great type of guys. We're head down, get better, do better, be better, make more money, buy your shop, buy a boat, kill it during the downtime, kill it during the uptime, overbuild your business, overbuild your processes if you're a weekend warrior. That's who we are. And on Tuesday, we said some things that some people don't like. It's all good, man. I have no issue with somebody disagreeing with me. Matter of fact, for about two years, behind the scenes of, of, of that episode and those types of episodes, we've tried to get people on who are supposedly leaders to defend things that they've said. Hey, come on and explain to our community what you mean by that. Everyone can learn. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's have a conversation. But folks, you'd be surprised at how many people are unwilling to stand behind the things they say. And I want to make this clear. 
when you make content for years, which Marty's made it for a lot longer than me, you say some things that you wish you'd have said a little bit differently. But let me explain the other side of it. There's not one thing I've said in two plus years of doing these episodes that I wouldn't stand behind. But we've had people come on our platform at MTE, come on the community pub and, and shoot their mouth off on our platform. And then we go to follow up with them and say, hey, you said some, some pretty aggressive things, all good. Can you come on to discuss them? Can you come do an episode? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Oh, you know what? I can't do that episode. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's not leadership to me. That's not being a man of your word, and that's not overbuilding anything. That's how I feel about it. That's how I see it. And how I see it is how Marty and I do business on our platform. We're constantly one of the top automotive podcasts in the United States. And many of you don't know that because we don't talk about it. We don't put that out all the time. We don't take snippets of things. We're consistently one of the top automotive podcasts that exist. That wasn't the case 15 months ago. It wasn't the case 18 months ago. So maybe, just maybe, we've started to overbuild our processes of putting out better content. And why it should matter to you, the detailer, you, the weekend warrior, is that the only way that your industry gets better, meaning builds better chemicals, for those of you that have used Slick, I say this all the time, when you use Slick, you realize how behind everybody was until Slick came out. I just tested some drying aids that were sent to me. They were horrific from a company. I had to tell the guy, man, that, 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 I, I, I hate that these aren't good, man. I, I, I'm sorry. He's a friend of mine. I, I wish his company well. They're not good. They're behind. You don't have to be behind, but you are behind if you're not willing to have tough conversations. So if 85 to 90% of our content is let's talk about auctions, let's talk about ceramic coating, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. Let's have the community pub where guys sit around and have a good time, right? You think 10 or 15% of the time we should have real difference making conversations? I do because I want to get better. I want our community to get better. I mean, are any of you satisfied that you don't want another 10 grand in your bank account, five grand in your bank account, hundred grand in your bank account. But when we have episodes where we say, or we've seen something that's reached a certain point, you better believe that behind the scenes, we've tried to do it a different way. We've tried and tried and tried. And so now we'll say, Hey man, I used to detail cars is a meme type thing that we should have in our community. I used to detail cars, man. Watch how many people stop saying it now. Because when we had a conversation about warranties and that didn't go as everybody on the other side thought it was going to go, they magically don't talk about warranties as much. You could see that for yourself. 
So is that a positive for all of us? Yes, it is. You come on, we talk about warranties. It doesn't go so well for you. And now nobody's hearing about warranties to the level they used to. It's a positive for our industry that we had that discussion. Both sides were heard. Both sides did an excellent job and the industry's better for it. You're better for it. I'm better for it. The world's better for it in the car care world. The patting on the back, guys, that's not us. You don't overbuild stuff by patting each other on the back saying, oh, we're doing a great job. Oh, we're, we're killing it. Oh, nobody's ever done anything as great as we're doing. I don't think that at all. Matter of fact, we got stuff unreleased that it just never made it, man. It's not good enough. So it's all right if you were upset about Tuesday. I'm cool with that. Wasn't for you. You didn't agree with it. All good. If you want to make more money, if you want to be more successful, and you want to understand the hyper-clean way and why we do those things, it's simple. We do those things because it's part of being overbuilt. It's part of actual leadership. It's not corporate leadership. And that's what a lot of people mistake leadership for these days. But it's actual real-world leadership. And I'll go to my grave thinking that. And I've had a lot of people work for me for a very, very long time in a business where turnover is insane. I think I know something about leadership, not everything, not the best leader in the world. I can get better every day, man. All of us can get better. And that's part of those conversations we had on Tuesday is let's get better. You don't have to tell a story to sell a tool that isn't true. You don't have to tell a story to sell a chemical that isn't true. You don't have to do that. No reason. Just tell me how great the chemical is. Tell me why you made it. Let's go on about our life. Our industry is better if we have these conversations. But overbuilding your processes leads to overbuilding your products, leads to overbuilding your purpose. And that's what we do here. And that's what all of you have been doing. Our community of people are killing it. And it's unbelievable to watch the success you guys are having because of your hard work and the things you're doing. If you're interested in what we mean, keep listening to this podcast. Building something great. And it's not just me and Marty. It's all of you. And Tuesday's episodes are not an everyday thing for us. So, Again, I want to thank everybody for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.